Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey guys, you ever wonder what Phil and I wear while we podcast? You can find out if you join our Patreon. We'll also be talking about the films of 1989, but that's definitely less important than seeing our Zoom backgrounds, our headphone choices, and our sweatshirts. It's true. It's true. You'll get to see all the various pieces of artwork that I have framed on my office wall, and you can see Kenny's garden, sort of. So that's something. That's exciting. It's a hanging garden. It's a hanging garden. Uh, But perhaps more important than anything, uh, we are doing this Patreon to cover the best films of 1989. Uh, Batman, When Harry Met Sally, Indiana Jones, The Last Crusade, Ghostbusters 2 with amazing guests like Tom Meissen, Liz Hanna, Joanna Robinson, Brian Cogman, Chuck Hayward. You can sign up at patreon.com backslash podcast like it's 1989. And for $5, you'll get access to all the audio of these fantastic episodes. For a few bucks more, you'll get video as well of our 99 and 89 episodes. And perhaps... Most importantly, you'll be supporting us uh, so we can just keep making podcast content for you guys. Hello and welcome to Podcast Like It's 1999, the podcast where we talk about the films of 1999 from Mumford here in 2022. Uh, I'm Mumford and this is my partner. I thought you were going to say, and your son. I mean, that's what you should have done. Mumford my and son. Sons. Oh, my, my son. 
No, I wasn't even going to make one Mumford and Son joke. But Sorry, the joke well, of Mumford you. is that the character's name is also Mumford. It's Which one is Mumford? And the character is Mumford. What's amazing is when pressed as to why he chose that name, he confesses that he came up with Mumford first and then discovered there was a town named Mumford. Well, he didn't come up with Mumford. He huh. he didn't it, 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 he didn't pick it out of thin air. Okay. He picked Mumford because it was the last name of a child who died in his hometown. Who it? My apologies. Right. I I I should have been more explicit. All right. Yes, yeah. he did. He, he he first he took the name Mumford, and then he went to Mumford. Um, but uh, you know how you know all that because he just tells you. Because yeah, he just. Just, just tells you tell, just tells you but yeah i think here's the thing phil kind of liked it <laughs> yeah i mean here here's here's kind of liked mumford i did i didn't hate it i guess i just first of all i so i mean i i, I remember mumford was a gala at tiff in 1990 i'm assuming 99 like september 99 before this film came out in uh, September. Yeah. So it was like a gala two weeks or so before the movie comes out. Uh, Weirdly, I have like these like TIFF galas kind of burned in my brain because all the stars would kind of come to town and you would be on the covers of all the papers. Like Toronto Film Festival is obviously a very big deal in Toronto. So when these movies come there, especially the big studio films you remember. So I remember this film being there and I just remember that's it. I remember no one really talked about the movie. The reviews for it were pretty kind of whatever. Um, you know, I'll talk, we'll talk about Ebert's three and a half out of four star review. Uh, he was maybe the biggest proponent of this movie. Uh, I don't think I knew what this movie was about other than a small town called Mumford. Um, so when I pressed play on this thing and for the first half hour, I was like, okay, so yeah, the guy's a shrink and it's a small town and these people are kind of not really that quirky. It's kind of just whatever, you know, small town USA. And then the, the, the I guess the concept drops at about the 30, 40 minute mark where you realize that he's not. I think not, it was later. I think it was 45, 50. It's I mean, pretty, it pretty deep into the movie. In, yeah. <laughs> for, for the concept to really become clear. This might know. be one. I mean, we did, like, we'll obviously talk yeah. about it, talk about context, yeah. talk yeah, yeah, about yeah, things yeah. to talk about, but yeah. it might be worth running through it a little more closely yeah. well, than we normally do yeah. because it is a bizarre little piece of film. Yeah, and like, all right. So, uh, first thing, yeah, is nineteen ninety nine. You don't see a lot of we we haven't seen a lot of Touchstone movies. Correct. This is a a Touchstone Correct. movie. Yep. The Touchstone title card up front, and it just yeah. it you know you, you're you're probably seven eight years removed from uh from when it when they were really you know sure I guess the heyday, but they probably, Touchstone probably had like a seven to 10 year heyday. I think splash was the first touchstone film yeah. in 84. And I think by 94, they had completely lost track of what they are. And I, because well, Disney became Disney, right. And Disney stopped, stopped. It felt like Disney stopped kind of feeling the need to have this arm in the well, same way. The, I would say the other thing is uh, Hollywood pictures also became Correct. a thing. Correct. So uh, Hollywood pictures was making 
bigger movies, right? Mm-hmm. They were making mm-hmm. your your Bruckheimer movies and things like that. Yep. And uh, they were able to make R-rated movies. I don't think Touchstone made R's. And mm-hmm. um, the and, and Touchstone has a certain you know has has a certain veneer and, and tone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No 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 pun that didn't really work that well in the ironic late nineties. Well, um, I'm looking at the list of their movies, just kind of scrolling through it yeah, to, yeah, your, yeah. To, to sort of hit your point because like it, it does feel like. Bruckheimer gives them the biggest sort of wind at their back in the mid to late 90s, arguably the last kind of run they had where, you know, a big string of of big, I mean, Armageddon's probably yeah, the last, and that's 98, but that's the biggest, mm-hmm. I would argue. From I mean, Pearl Harbor's well, also that, but you know what I'm saying. Like, those movies don't feel like Touchstone movies at all. Like those movies. Correct, correct. That, you know, th- this, is the, this is really a time Mm-hmm. When and we've talked about it so much. When the title card before a movie really meant something, yep. it really it really gave you an idea of what kind of movie you're about to watch. Yep. And it, all I'm saying is, in terms of yeah. Touchstone, is this doesn't feel like a Touchstone movie, but it, it feels like a Miramax movie. Yes. But it uh, like like the shitty ones we've done, like mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. you know, um, Happy Things Ta- by Heart, yeah. Happy Texas, yeah. and. Yeah. Uh, you know, all the one, the ones that came in the wake of beautiful girls, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it does. I do feel like there, it, it is the 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 result of some execs sitting in the room and saying, having a big whiteboard and saying, "What is a Touchstone movie in 1999? <laughs> what does a Touchstone movie look like?" And they're like, "It's a little bit edgier than before, but you have characters you like, and you have." You know, you, you quirky dialogue, but not too quirky. Mm-hmm. It has to live in the real world. And, you know, the thing about Touchstone, and if you actually, if you look down that list, I think you'll you'll see it, is there's always a high concept, a medium to high concept in their movies. Yep. Um, yep. That, that this has, but just... Yeah. You're not allowed to know it until halfway through. Well, it's it's interesting because like I'm gonna just read through our 99 touchstone movies because there's actually more of them than I clocked, if I'm being completely honest. Um, so I'm not gonna count a civil action, which technically comes out January 8th, 99, but it was for Oscar consideration in December of, of 98. Uh The Other Sister, 10 Things I Hate About You, Instinct, Summer of Sam, Runaway Bride, 13th Warrior, Mumford, <laughs> Bringing Out the Dead. The Insider, Deuce Bigelow, Male Gigolo, Cradle Will Rock, Bicentennial Man. Everything, is, I've, everything I've said is wrong. Everything well, no, no. I don't, I, don't, I don't think it's what, what I, I think this pinpoints is they don't know what the fuck they are they're, at they're, this point. They're nothing at this point. At this because point, they're the, just throwing spaghetti against the, the wall and trying is, to get into bed with big filmmakers. The thing is, you and I are going on Billy Ray Bruton's podcast and we are doing touchstone movies. <laughs> we the are. The reason we can pitch Billy Ray... Yeah. Touchstone movies is because touchstone movies mean something. Like mm-hmm. dimension means something. Correct. Like new line to a certain you know mm-hmm. extent means something, and you know what you're gonna get. And for and e- as good as like the insider is, because it's one it's of the best fucking movies. Movie. Yeah. I wouldn't put it on the list. It's <laughs> not. Agree. It's not doing what we're trying to do with this yeah. thing. So yeah, it's not a touchstone movie. It's, you know what the biggest touchstone movie yeah. we did this year? Mm. The touchstone movie of the year that isn't a touchstone movie. Okay. By far, okay. Ed, Ed TV. That's yeah. a Touchstone movie, right? Yes, yes. 
Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, 100%. If you want to watch it's, a great touchstone movie, go watch that TV. It's like, I'm just, just, I'm going to just name a couple of these sort of late 90s touchstone movies where you can see they're, they're just scrambling, right? Like, Ransom is a, is a, is a touchstone movie. Ron Howard's a touchstone filmmaker in my brain. If oh, that makes my sense, God. Right? Like, 100%. 100%. Right? He made the first one. You did. And, you did. And even you know, to me, it's funny because the, the biggest touchstone movie ever is a movie that's not even a touchstone movie mm. is uh, Parenthood. Like that's like the ideal yes. touchstone totally. movie. Totally. Yes. And it uh, and it, you know, I believe it's universal, right? It is so, universal. Yeah. Uh, but yes, Ron Howard makes touchstone films. Correct. It's, it's just like so. Obviously, in '89, we've talked you know about touchstone because big touchstone. I mean. Dead Poets Society Dead is probably Poets one of Society. the biggest. Is one yes. of the biggest touchstone movies, right? Time. Yeah. Pretty Woman, early 1990. That's a that's a touchstone movie. Although it's getting a little edgier, but still mm-hmm. feels like it's in their corridor. The it's movie for me, tale. yeah, that I that I associate with touchstone pictures the most. And I know we're going to go on this podcast and we'll have this conversation on, on another. Yeah, well, but like, yeah, we'll see. I don't even know the the format of this crazy right. podcast. Who Framed Roger Rabbit is the quintessential touchstone like, movie. To I me. wish you didn't mention that one. I'm sorry, but it's the truth. I, you know, I know no, we're no, having no, this no, conversation oh, because of this. Yeah, because I don't want to talk too much about we it. We won't talk yeah, too much about it. I'm that's just, the, I'm, that's, that's, the, the, that's best, the whole package. It's the best movie. But yeah, uh, yeah I think that's I, I think that's what Touchstone should have aspired to over and over again. That and, and another yeah. movie that's not a Touchstone movie, which is um, Back to the Future. These yep. big four-quadrant family mm-hmm. films that are essentially, you know, essentially are uh, classic Hollywood storytelling, mm-hmm. maybe fairy tales like um, Pretty Woman. You know, I think the if Ron Howard is a quintessential touchstone director, the quintessential touchstone actor is Robin Williams. Yes, like it's, it's yes. it is a, or a Tom know, Hanks Ro- even maybe depending Robin on at certain or times. Tom Hanks. Yeah. Yeah, 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 like those those guys who are 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 safe and mm-hmm. wonderful and lovable and make you feel great. Uh, and uh, this movie is so this movie Bizarre. is so fucking weird. Is it? This well, is I want to. Right. I just want to say one other thing very quickly about Touchstone because I think it's worth worth noting and speaks to where it is now, which is that my roommate Melissa uh, works at a, works at Twentieth right now. So she originally worked at uh, at Fox Twenty One, uh, which then was bought by Disney. Disney bought you know most of Fox and turned Fox Twenty One into Touchstone Studios. That was so the weird, which is weird because they basically were just like, what's a moniker that we have under our umbrella that kind of speaks to maybe cable things that we sort of want to do? Let's just call it Touchstone. So it becomes that even though you might remember back in the day when we were at the agencies, Touchstone was the studio that you would that, that handled scripted disney content it's this weird brand yeah. like I, it's bizarre yeah right i mean then we're going back a ways but back yeah. in uh the mid 2000s yeah uh all the studios had their own names like they, they were it wasn't just abc <laughs> studios it was touchstone yeah. it wasn't nbc studios it was universal, universal. uh or NBC it wasn't CBS studios. it was paramount it was paramount it was paramount cbs what well, cbs which studios. is insane to think well, of now that, I don't yeah. know about CBS. That might have been a different because there might have been a CBS Studios too. 
because CBS was whatever. I don't but know. yes, whatever. they yeah. they were yeah. they all they all had their own fucking names and it all made sense and everything felt right. And, <laughs> and it then was they like, just smushed everything together. Just like, oh. I mean, the one that ABC <laughs> becoming ABC Studios was actually. I mean, Touchstone becoming ABC Studios was the one that kind of bugged me. <laughs> you know, like that one was like, you guys don't care anymore. You, you really care. just you're just you just you're, you're telling on yourself. At least let me at least let me think that it's you know. <laughs> Um, so I want to, you mentioned this earlier. I think it's worth mentioning now. Um, I, the synopsis of Mumford for people that have not watched Mumford, which based on its uh, box office would be most of you. Um, yeah. Uh, Dr. Mumford played by Lauren Dean is the new psychologist in a small town. His unique style of therapy draws many patients, including a billionaire played by Jason Lee, a woman with chronic fatigue syndrome played by Hope Davis. Uh, but Mumford also draws the ire of the town's two established doctors played by uh, David Paymer and Jane Adams. Resentful of Mumford's success, they hire an attorney played by Martin Short to impugn. Not exactly how that happened, but okay. no, not exactly at all. And together they reveal shocking secrets from Mumford's past. Mumford opened on September 24th, 1999. Uh, yeah, they don't reveal anything. He he just tells people uh, against uh, <laughs> the movie opened against Double Jeopardy, Blue Streak, The Sixth Sense, and For Love of the Game. It would go on to make four point six million dollars on a twenty eight million dollar budget. It's got fifty seven percent on Rotten Tomatoes, sixty six from audiences, fifty seven from critics. Roger Ebert gave it three and a half stars and said, in a little town right down the imaginary road from Pleasantville and Seahaven, where Truman lives, a psychologist sets up shop. His name is Mumford. The town's name is Mumford. Mumford is also the name of a great writer on towns and cities, but any connections between these Mumfords are left unexplored. Folks are too busy living their lives to spare the time. Mumford is so carefully visualized in Lawrence Kasdan's new film that you'd love to live there yourself. This... (laughs) This must read like a peculiar review. Does it make you want to see the movie? There are no earth-shaking payoffs here, no dramatic astonishments, vile betrayals, or sexual surprises. Just the careful and loving creation of some characters in a mostly pleasant place to be. And it's and at its deepest level, profoundly down there, below the surface, is something more, I think. An expression of Kazdin's humanist longings, his wish that people would listen better and value one another more. It's the strangest thing how this movie sneaks up and makes you feel a little bit better about yourself. I mean, I sure, I, I, I really can't argue with any of that, but... <laughs> a couple couple things. Yeah, One, I really like the way the whoever writes up the Google things, like... Tried, tried to put a plot there. It was like, <laughs> yeah, all right, yeah. so wait, wait, what was this movie about? That, that makes no sense. It can't possibly be what actually happened. Yeah, They're like, I'm gonna do a pass. Put- <laughs> he did a pass on it. He did a pass on it. <laughs> like they- <laughs> so that was great. Uh, secondly, like Ebert's review, because I, 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 I rated it beforehand before I read sure. any reviews, but Ebert's sure. review. It makes me want to shout this movie sucks like there's yeah, like because like i don't think this movie sucks i really don't like i i think it kind of is okay but i'll tell you here's the thing you know how we like we say like the movie war- this movie doesn't work like the the movie <laughs> this movie doesn't work this movie is nope. inept in almost every fucking way um however uh I love Hope Davis. <laughs> I, I, I love I most of the cast, by the way. I, I mean, the love cast is most of the cast. And like, I, I, it's a crazy fucking thing to say, but like, I found Lauren Dean to be really fucking winning. And I, yeah. I, I know it sounds crazy, but like, 
he he could it's such a weird fucking role and it's so it's just i will get into it it's so like bizarrely yeah. written it's not his fault but he i feel like he did somehow find a cohesive through line throughout mm-hmm. this character and this character is let's talk about it this character is insane yeah all right no, his character is 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 yeah like i i i this is really one i this is like this is this is your this is this is a blank check special this is this is larry cast and casting something in and saying Star well, Wars, okay, man. let's. I think Fucking the place Empire. to start. Do whatever I want, let's, right? Let's talk about Lawrence Kasdan for a second because I think that's a good place to start in terms of just a little bit of context. Of, I mean, okay, Lawrence Kasdan, who you know, known Larry, for writing Empire call, Strikes Back, Raiders of the Lost Ark. I, I mean, call right? him Larry. Okay. Sure, Larry Kasdan. Yeah. Uh, his first film in '81 is Body Heat. Then he makes The Big Chill in '83, which is obviously an enormous success. He makes Silverado in '85. He makes The Accidental Tourist in 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 '88. Uh, Love You to Death in 90, Grand Canyon in 91, Wyatt Earp in 94, French Kiss in 95, Mumford 99, Dreamcatcher 2003. One of the worst movies I've ever seen. One of the worst movies ever made. Uh, Darling Companion, which doesn't really exist. And and then he you know recently wrote Solo and, and I don't know, went scorched earth on a bunch of people. He's got some movie called November Road, which is supposed to come out, which he wrote and directed, which is TBA. Um, an interesting career as a director, obviously one of our greatest writers. I mean, a, a, a tremendous writer. Yeah. Um, you know, it, I, I think a lot, the, a lot of big fucking movies there that he big, directed. Big movies and big ensembles, right? Yeah. The Big Chill is one of the biggest ensembles ever in terms of just yeah. being the, the quintessential hangout movie. Oh, I mean, yeah, th- you those know? are hard to do. That's a like. The, one that's one of those ideas I think every screenwriter uh, has ever had when they're 22 mm-hmm. years old, mm-hmm. and to be the one that actually makes it work to be that or to be a diner or it's incredible or days to yeah. confused. It's pretty. It is a pretty amazing feat to make that thing work. Hundred percent. And and listen, I I, I respect I, I, that. Just mean when everybody has a preconceived notion of how that works, you know? Right. So I'm sorry, go but sticking the landing, it's no hard. one's really. It's really the only movie. One of the only movies that's done it. I respect the fact that as a filmmaker, he strives to. I mean. There, it's it's clear that like from your Wyatt Earps and what have you that the guy longs to do big classical kind of mm-hmm. you know old school movies. Again, I respect that. This feels very Frank Capra. This feels very much like he wants to play in that sandbox until and, and the do, middle, right? Until the middle, like, and then it and then it just turns into something completely different. I, I mean. I, He's he's a baffling film. I mean, Grand Canyon, for all intents and purposes, is basically just the big chill but grown up. Um, yeah. I think French I think Kiss is a like great rom com. Yeah, I think I, French Kiss is a good movie. I think people like yeah. and, and uh, we have to. I, th- I feel like we have yes, to get yes. into the film because yeah, please, please, I feel please. like I, I feel like it's like it's too fucking weird to just keep dancing around what happens in this movie. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I, what, what happens in this yeah, movie? Please, Go ahead. Please. What what happens in this movie? Because that synopsis is 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 oh, not right. what happens in this movie. <laughs> what ha- and I'm not just saying that in, like in a glib way. That is that yeah. like some of those things happen in this movie, and uh, and those characters are definitely in Correct. this movie. They are, in and this that's movie. not what happens in this movie. What happens in this movie is <laughs> we're ba- it's we're basically like it, it, imagine Punxsutawney. The scenes when uh, Bill Murray goes to the the overwhelmed uh, psychologist. 
but we're yeah. with the overwhelmed psychologist, right? Yeah. So Lauren Dean, who is Joe from Say Anything, someone I never knew had any kind of career after this, let alone a starring role. 10 I years remember later. him in Apollo 13. I remember really liking him. He was in Apollo 13. 13. But that's, yes. that's ultimately the only thing that's ever stood out for me from yeah. him outside of Say Anything. Never knew, never knew he had, he was at it. So he's Joe and he's Joe and say anything. He is our lead in this movie. He looks, I mean, he's got the same face, but he's got, you know, he's got the exact same haircut I have right now. A typical dorky boy oh. cut. Uh, and he's just so white bread. He's so vanilla, unfortunately, aesthetically. I mean, he might be imbuing this with more than that, but I totally agree with you, man. He is as central casting white guy as possible. Correct. And the funny thing is, like, in saying anything, his thing is that, like, he's very good looking, which he is. He's good looking. Uh, like, he's very, he's, like, alluring. They shoot him with backlight, and that's mm-hmm. it, that's the only thing he has to offer um, yeah. Lily Tom. I always, Lily Taylor. But, um, but yes. whatever. Okay, so he's a psychologist in a small town. He has somehow managed to get more patients than the two established uh, mental health professionals in town. There's David Paper, who's a psychiatrist. There's Jane Adams, who is a psychologist. And he apparently has more clients than both of them, or patients than both of them combined. Um, uh, it's, it's worth stating, mm-hmm. doesn't seem particularly good at the job. People like to talk to him. His his mm-hmm. superpower is that for whatever reason, people open up to this guy. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't really give them any particularly construct. Like he's not doing anything to better their lives, as far as I can glean. There is a sense, and I agree with this, there is a sense throughout a lingering little thing that like, yeah. uh, he's, you know, you and I have both been in therapy. And I think mm-hmm. 95% of the people who listen to this podcast have been in therapy. Uh-huh. You watch this and you're like, this guy's not a great therapist. Nope. Like not a overtly bad therapist. It's not right. like there's a joke there. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like that show that's coming out where the therapist becomes a vigilante on behalf of her patients. Um, that's not him. He's or, just, right. He's not as bad as say like uh, Neil Patrick Harris in uh, Ma- Matrix, the Matrix. <laughs> Right. He's not, he's just like, not great, just but not great. he listens and he's also, but he's not like super bad. Like there's the, yeah. it starts he doesn't with seem engaged though. He doesn't seem like he cares. Well, the first thing he does is he kicks a patient out. <laughs> the first thing, the, the the first the like the first shot is you get this black and white dreamy sequence oh of a buff man who's about to like have <sighs> sex with uh with a the a landlady or something yeah and you find out it's just the you know the, the fantasies of a of an overweight guy <sighs> sitting on his couch and he kicks him so out crazy. he kicks him out and he kicks this guy out and you're like well all right I, that's like out of frustration but, that this patient wasn't digging deeper into his psychosis and was just kind of telling stories, I guess. It feels like, I don't know. it feels like, all right, so he's a uh, non-traditional kind of therapist, but like maybe this, maybe we're supposed to sympathize with the therapist. Like, wouldn't it be great if you're a therapist and you just kick out the guys you don't like? Then he does the same exact thing to Martin Short. Yep. who's just annoying, who's this, who's this patient who's just annoying. You're like, all right, so you got kind of got to be a good patient to be this guy's patient. You kind of got to earn it. Maybe that's part of what's going on here. Then pretty quickly, yeah. like, he starts giving away, he starts talking about his patients to other patients and to other people. Which is, and complete, like, which is obviously, you know. Obviously. Obviously. 
So, and like Alfred Woodward runs the local um, or owns the local like, you know, diner, dirty, you know, like dirty spoon diner thing. And that's his best friend. And he just goes there and has lunch every day and tells her, you know, all the weird, what all the weirdos are doing. And, uh, you know, you're kind of like, you're kind of like, you the, 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 and I guess this is the reason I kind of like Lauren Dean's performance because even then I wasn't like, this guy's a piece of shit. I'm like, all right, what's going on here? You know, like, I, like, I think it was more like, it wasn't like, it was yeah, just like, because yeah, yeah, yeah. he's so matter of fact about it. He's yeah. so, he he's, he's monotone, but not in a way where he's not giving it. It's just in a way where that's like the performance style yeah. he's giving. It's, it's very odd. So he, I also think there's just one other thing worth mentioning yeah. here. So I, I'm sure that our audience has gleaned that we we start this movie essentially in media res. Okay, like we yeah. are we are thrown yeah. in the deep end. Yeah, which 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 isn't necessarily a problem for me, but this movie doesn't seem particularly committed to it. So you feel a little bit discombobulated in terms of like, what am I? Am I supposed to be feeling like I'm just part of this town? What am I? You just genuinely don't know how you're supposed to feel as this film opens for a good like twenty minutes to a half an hour. Which like like here's the thing. Terrible, in, but I mean in nineteen ninety now I think this is this is relevant. Yeah. In nineteen ninety-nine, <laughs> Analyze This also comes out. Correct. Analyze this starts the same fucking way. You're with Billy yes. Crystal, yes. the yes. therapist, who is your point of entry, who uh-huh. has to deal with annoying annoying uh patients. And you are supposed to sympathize with him. So, and I think this has happened so many times in movies. So you, you know, it's it is a it is there. There is a sense of place and setting, and I, I, I mean, uh, uh, um, context that we get from mm-hmm. understanding movies that Correct. this is what it is. But then he starts doing these really Odd weird on. Professional things. <laughs> so he gets a few more clients or patients. Um, Hope Davis being one of them. Hope Davis, who very clearly has, you know, chronic fatigue syndrome. Is that and a thing? Yes, okay. it's a thing. Uh, I don't know if it's a thing that you would see a psychologist for, but it's a thing. Okay. Um, so Hope Davis has that, and, or is that, and he also has Zoe Deschanel, and he also has Mary Steenburgen, and... No. Mary Seabridge is on this movie. Uh, you mean Mary McCormick. Sorry, Mary McCormick. And uh, he has like yeah. a, bu- a bunch of clients and he takes on Skip Skipperton, who's Jason Lee, yes. who is the, the, the local tech billionaire uh-huh. uh, who, 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 uh, who skateboards around town. Yeah. Um, who created, and, a, created a modem company, like a tech company. Panda modem. Panda modem. Panda modem. Yeah. I think he had what he has like 26% of all the modems in the country. Like he's, a, you know, he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a genial billionaire who uh, can't connect with. What did people. you think of Jason Lee in this movie? I hated him. Uh, hated and I usually love Jason Lee just yeah. to be clear. Yeah. There's something affected about his performance in this, which is clearly intentional and probably directed, Definitely. but like, there's something very kind of like, it's like Maybury, but in a, in a, I, I just, it's not, it just doesn't work for me. Anyway. It, it, I mean, Jason, you know, look, every, every actor is, has their, you know, every actor has modes in which they work and modes in which they don't. He, him with all the edges sawed off, which is kind of what this character felt like to me or sanded off. Uh, yep. It wasn't really working for me, but there is a, a reason why he is who he is and he is mm-hmm. the character he is. 
And that's because after Lauren Dean proves to be like kind of a good therapist and everyone seems to come back and everyone seems to get a little better, like, like Mary McCormick is a hoarder who gets a little better. And Zoe Deschanel has, you know, body dysmorphia and gets a little better. And like, everyone's getting a little better and everyone kind of loves them. Uh, and he's and Laurentine is just going on hikes with Jason with, with playing catch with them and going on yeah. hikes with them and telling them all of his all of his clients' problems. And Jason D and Jason Lee is finally like, why do you do that? So he's <laughs> Laurentine's just like, you know, I probably shouldn't. <laughs> he's like, I'll take that under advisor. You're right. Not a great thing that I do. And that's it. But then they're just so hang- they're just all right. So this is the movie. And by the well, way, Jason Lee like- tells him a big secret. Okay, which is that Jason Lee tells him that in his basement he has built a laboratory where he is creating synthetic women. Yeah. Yeah. Uh- <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. <laughs> so he yeah. tells him this secret. <laughs> Which to say out loud really gives you a sense of how fucking crazy this movie we, is. And we also get to go to the laboratory. We, so, of course, of course, we go to the. We'll, we'll, but it's 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 it's, it's, what, it's it, this it's movie one is the wildest swing is I've one of the, the horniest in the weirdest way movies I've seen I in a agree. long time. It's so it's so fucking weird. <laughs> it's so so he tells him that he's building so a laboratory weird. or has a laboratory. He's building synthetic women. Uh, Lauren Dean tells him. That's not so weird, which it's it's pretty weird, but okay. He said on a scale from one to ten, it's a two. Right. He's, I'm like, well, I think it's no. it's like a five or a six. At <laughs> no, no, the thing that Lauren Dean does, which is like the weirdest part about it all, he's like, I think that's a good idea. He's like, I think he's he's like, that's not a secret. Like, you're gonna be rich. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, I mean, it's it's just so. So he tells them that he thinks it's oh, not just not so weird, but weird. you're going to get rich. And then he says, I got a movie. secret for you. And Jason Lee says, oh, what's your secret? I'm not a doctor. Record scratch at the 45 minute mark of this movie. Where so you're just like, I, I, well, ju- I just want to go back like half please, a moment. Because yes, that's the secret, guys, if you hadn't figured it out. But the 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 other part from the Google thing is David Paymer and Jane Adams are therapists in town who are like I guess they're like having an affair or they're just together or something. They have weird energy thing. between them. Not really sure if it's sexual or not. But it, well, at some point, just, yeah. David Paymer yeah. says it is. So oh, like okay. they Fair. they they have a thing, and yep. you know the psychiatrists and psychologists they don't really duplicate each other. They're not really rivals. Uh, Martin Short. It, like had one bad session with Lauren Dean and goes to them is like this guy's a fraud, and like <laughs> the thing is like he's so obviously right. Like, <laughs> like at this point, like I'm like I'm like he's a fraud. Like I know what's going yeah. on here. Yeah. Like I think any like like I get it. But the thing about the now we're at the part where I, where we talk about the Google synopsis. Ninety nine out of a hundred movies at this point. Yeah. Would then start you down the road of the investigation mm-hmm. where these three people or Martin Short or whoever or someone they hire starts to hound Lauren Dean and Lauren Dean is and they do it a little then they do it after he after he confesses. confesses. So there's no tension in those scenes. Confesses to, to, to Jason Lee. So the audience is aware. <laughs> the, the, the other people aren't. So there's you would have that moment where he's starting to get hounded, but you don't. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's I a don't, choice. 
I don't need the same plot that I expected. Uh-huh. You don't need to do the obvious thing, but in the absence of the obvious thing, what they do yeah. is they have Lauren Dean confess to Jason Lee mm-hmm. in a 15-minute sequence shot like POV. Like, like a fucking Paul Schrader movie. About it's like it's bizarre. like a it's like a Paul Schrader meets exploitation movie about yeah. uh it's kind of like the opening of, of the I don't know if you watched the premiere of Euphoria this season, but it no, feels I like didn't. that. It's oh, like well, I, yeah. I really that's what the opening of Euphoria feels like. Oh yeah, kind of well, is basically <laughs> and this it's, is it's all like I'm handheld like, POV grainy, grainy saturated like, colors. You don't see his face through the entire sequence where it's he's like all, doing coke. It's all first it's person. Yes, it's, it's all first person. And like, if I remember correctly, and I really don't, but Lauren Dean is a like a loser mm-hmm. from West Virginia mm-hmm. who worked a series of jobs, mm-hmm. wound up like wound up. He was like, becoming- a, he was like an exterminator. And he has like an epiphany while he's getting rid of termites that yes. he wants to be an IRS agent. Yes. So he wants to be an IRS agent. So he goes and becomes what is an this IRS movie. What he goes is this and becomes movie? it's it's amazing. He goes and becomes an IRS agent. Um yeah. and starts at like the bottom and yeah. like works at like and there are a lot of like, you know, different jobs in the IRS and all the good jobs, bad jobs, whatever. And one and like winds up having like the best job which is like an irs investigator so he the like hooks job. he hooks up with like this guy greg who's like a irs Kirk cowboy Fox. and yeah. yeah he's like an irs cowboy and he's the mm-hmm. best guy they got and they basically are going and but the i the job is not really to go and like kill people it's to go and take pictures of people taking like getting handouts it's so weird so he winds up yeah, and he also has a coke problem through the whole thing. So he's, Lord, you know, every time you come back, he's like, it all came back to the cocaine. I just love that cocaine. So, uh, you know, I, they're, oh, it's like, how, how do I get more cocaine? I need more money. How do I get more money? I, I get a better job. So I got a better job. Got more cocaine. So, and, then he, like, and then he fucks his partner's wife. Yes, you see that he, graphically. You Yes. He fucks his partner. He has an affair. He falls in love with his partner's wife, and then he blows it, and then he gets a fight. And then I kind of like, I think I kind of tapped out at this weird ass part. And the whole time, Jason Lee's sitting there and being like, oh, oh. And Lauren Dean, every time he says something crazy, he's like, and that's not the crazy part. And that's not the crazy part. And like at the end, I think someone dies in this flashback. Like I don't remember someone there. Someone they were looking for some cheat who wasn't that bad. Like they, he yeah. dies accidentally, and then uh, Mumford, and then we finally see his face in the bathroom mm-hmm. bathroom mirror. All yeah, he like looks messed up. Out yeah. and he looks messed up. Yeah. I just I, Jared Leto yeah. would have played this character great. Uh, <laughs> you would have beaten this up. <laughs> I so did you read who originally was cast, but then he was unavailable? Johnny Depp. I would have hated that. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm not sure I would have liked it either. I would have hated that. I think I, but like this stretch of the movie, like this had, portion of the yeah. film with Johnny Depp, just this flashback section, I would buy a hundred percent. The problem is, I wouldn't would buy have the odd shucks. Fun. I, like, that's, I, that's, just, I mean, then like, we're talking about Blow, right? Which is a whole movie that he basically. Yeah, I guess yeah. all I'm saying is like part of the charm of this movie for me. 
yeah. is that nobody seems to be in on how ridiculous it is. And Johnny Depp totally. is too smart to like to to play this to play this straight. So like this is so this whole sequence is so ridiculous. And so like Roger Ebert's review is so weird because he ignores this ignores middle it. like 15 minute, you know, like like uh tangent mm-hmm. into uh you know a fucking into taxi drivers, into a taxi driver story with like full frontal and all these things and lines of coke like right out there and guns in the middle of the movie that essentially takes place in Mayberry with really nice people who like might want to have a little more sex than they're having. Like that's really what it comes down to. Like the job, like like the problem for most of the people is like, I don't really have sex enough. Like not, and they're not like I'm trying to find all the time. A little repressed, exactly. It's this crazy part in the middle of this movie, and uh, that. Well, can I? So I, 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 I think that I think you kind of hit it on the the nail on the head a little bit with the with the casting the Lauren the Lauren Dern Johnny Depp casting because ultimately the Lauren role Dean, which weird Lauren Dean's name is Dern, yeah. Uh, <laughs> ultimately, the character of Mumford needs to be so bland and unassuming that his con, quote-unquote, works, right? But he also needs to be compelling enough and and have sort of this, like, seedy kind of underbelly, or at least believe that that, which is an impossibility, and also speaks to the problem with the film as a whole, which is that it's trying to be those two things. It wants to be this unassuming, lovely little character piece about a small town, but also fucking crazy with, like, you know, synthetic women and coke, and and you're just like, oh, I wish that the film had the the courage of its convictions to be able to wrap its arms around how weird it wants to be, but instead it's just, like, this kind of weird in-between nothing. It's funny that you Freudian slipped into Laura Dern because this is what happens when people who aren't David Lynch try to do David Lynch. Well, like, sure. This sure. Is like, because there there are so many little ways. Like, there's so many little ways to make this movie better. Um, this isn't like in and of itself the worst idea. It's mm-hmm. it, The execution is so fucking weird yep. like I, I mean there i mean we you, there are so many movies about people who have a a previous identity from the history of nobody or the history of violence, violence to yeah. mr nobody which came out last year like yep. this thing is pretty you know they're, they're the template's pretty well worn here and that's yep. not that hard to, to fit something into you don't have to go by the template of course but but just spitting out everything in the middle of the film and then when the audience knows everything have some of the characters catch up to it um robbed it of all its tension and totally was disjointing for the audience like it again it's okay if we were hypothetically if we got all this information in the first act or very early on and then we were with some of these characters a little more particularly hope davis's character as she starts to realize I'm not only seeing a fraud psychologist, I'm falling for a fraud man. Mm-hmm. But uh, but at that point, you know, the, the biggest thing that I think they fucked up is uh, when Lauren Dean told Skip Skipperton, uh-huh. Skip Skipperton was cool with it. 
So the it like I mean, it's just very simple shit. But he had to lose like. Yeah, no, like but, he kind of had nothing. We already know he has nothing to fear. Like this is one of those movies now where, like, the Music Man, right? Where the con man is going to be embraced as soon as he comes clean. Which well, is I what would argue happens. that the legal system isn't even that upset about it. He's doing a maximum of three months in jail. He's I know. Probably going to get the, it sooner. There's the like, judge oh. goes. I. I. <laughs> the judge. <laughs> the judge is like. <laughs> Uh, people seem to like you. Doesn't matter. The I'm throwing the book at you. No, yeah, the maximum sentence I can give you under the law is six months, which, which is a travesty. A travesty. I'll give you three months. It's like, huh? <laughs> like, what just happened? <laughs> I mean, even I mean, she, Hope Davis even makes a joke. Him, I know. She's I even know. like, it's only a couple weeks, whatever. Yeah, I'm not yeah, going she, anywhere. He's, 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 all right, so like, Fast forward, like him and Hope Davis fall in love. Hope Davis is Hope Davis is obviously winning. She's fantastic, <laughs> truly fantastic. I love her. Um, at the end of the movie, like you know, the big reveal is that he, you know, who who saves her by like taking her on walks or something, uh, cures her of her chronic fatigue syndrome, and they fall in love. Like she shows up the first day, and she is they they have invented some kind of ghost makeup for her. She is she is so pale, so pale, and she gets her color back, and everything's better. And uh, and yeah, like for half a second, you know, it comes out that he's not a real doctor, and then she follows him out. She's like, yeah, you should have told you should have told me. But I but love like, you. I love you. Like I, I, I love you. I mean, you know, who needs a real doctor when you have a guy who will uh, go on a paper route with you, which is what he does. Somehow he gets a paper route. Not sure what exactly exactly what happened there. I just, I, it, it's, you know, it, it just doesn't feel like this was well thought out. Like the script is such a kitchen sink thing. Of like, I have all these little things that I want to kind of throw together. I've got all these characters. Um, I, I don't necessarily, I actually had a very similar uh, uh, takeaway from the film that Eber did in the sense that I think that thematically, I love the idea or the notion that this film is about people just need to talk to each other more and they need to be more open with each other. I think that's a lovely sentiment. I don't think it's a thing that you can, you know, you can't hang a whole movie on that idea, but yeah. it's a nice idea. Like, <laughs> I just don't think this movie has that many ideas, quite frankly. Like, I don't really think it has that much to say. No, it doesn't. Um, I don't think our main character learns anything or changes really kind of at all. Uh, you know, not he, he, really. <laughs> so, uh, you know, he's, a, th- he's in the, he's, a, he's in the back of a cop car, but he's still listening to a person talk to him at the end. Like it's the same thing. It all, I know it almost, yeah, right. At the end of the movie, the, yeah, <laughs> the, the cop is like, you're the doctor. He's like, well, you know, you didn't hear I'm not a doctor. That's why I'm back here. <laughs> and the guy's like, well, I'll give it a shot anyway. Yeah. You know, and I'm sure in prison he becomes a prison thing. doc. I'm surprised they didn't do the uh I'm trying to do the denouement in, in jail where his cell yeah. becomes like a little uh yeah. you know, I mean that's a, a great little stick. You could have yeah. had a little office, some guy at a prison yeah. prison cot back telling him his yeah. problems and him kicking him out. It's oh, and by the way, the weirdest part is Martin's short as his lawyer yeah. at the end. Uh <laughs> I don't know. Ted Danson, who plays a, a son of a bitch in this movie, by the way. Um he's great. Yeah. He's a real he prick, play, though. Uh, uh, he plays a real prick, but I kind of liked him. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it's just a weird, it's a, a weird, bad, dumb movie that it like that. It, I don't know. It just feels like casting 
shot like a first draft. Not even a first draft. It almost feels like, remember we did um, Three Kings mm-hmm. and the, the thing was that Ridley, John Ridley was like, I'm going to write the film as fast as I can. Yeah. Uh, it makes me feel like Lawrence Kasdan was like, I think I could write this in 36 hours. Like, yeah. I think I could do it. Like, yeah. I think I could do like, it. This weekend I can get it done. Yeah. I think he wrote it in about 36 hours on a coke binge. Or like he did the thing that like I always think about doing, which I never actually do, which Mm. is like run through my old ideas and be like, I'm just going to put two random ideas together and see what happens. You know, like this character is going to go with this movie. Now what? And I think he's like, I have this guy, I have this idea about an IRS uh, agent who fakes his own death and takes on someone's uh, someone else's uh, personality which uh-huh. like that was that was the whole thing the whole thing was like because he was in the irs he understands how to forge uh documents yes it's so easy so sure. uh and he was like it's so easy i don't even have to tell you how to do it it's so easy like just trust me i was in the irs and then he's yep. like and then i also just- have this idea about this about this small town i love small towns and you yeah. have the guy come and he's pretending to be a shrink and, and you know fireworks will fall in love there'll be some sex parts it'll <laughs> we'll have a, a synthetic woman from this other script that i you know from from my my <laughs> i can't believe he was involved with the writing of solo because well yeah remember the best remember the like the the only part of solo that was really cool Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Remind me? The fucking Donald Glover. Well, I was going to say, yeah, Falling yeah. in love with his robot. robot. And, and <laughs> essentially fucking her, it seemed. Yeah, him and the robot yeah. were like deeply in love. Yeah, I, I TV, wonder uh, if... Peter Waller-Bridge, the robot. I wonder if that was that, you know, if, if that that was a... A, a vestige a of Mumford? A disregarded, you know, scene from Mumford. He's like, I had this idea that Jason Lee would like fall in love with this woman, but I can use it in Solo. It makes, you know... Because that is like that, that is so, that part is so gaga that, uh, that. But here's the thing about, about Mumford, about the guy Mumford, but uh, Lauren's character, um, is he's not shocked by anything. So everything that comes at him, he's essentially non reactive. Right. Okay. Um, which makes him boring to watch right because you're not getting a rise at it he's just a flat line through most of this film so i i i I don't disagree you could certainly read that as boring i i was (laughs) i was fascinated that they they, i was fascinated that they turned the camera on this guy 
It's like, you know, sure. Andy, Warhol, Andy Warhol had those experimental movies like Empire, where he literally just shot the Empire State Building for eight hours and then yeah. made people watch it. There's something like that. There's like that kind of oh, shit. <laughs> I'm not saying that he you're right. Boring is the wrong word. Uh, there's a he's not compelling to watch. There's something interesting that you're sort of like, why is this guy not more? I don't know, aghast Very, yeah. by this synthetic woman laboratory, you know, with these thrusting pelvises yeah. on yeah. on you know yeah. on tabletops. <laughs> why does he not seem all that upset by it? Um, so weird. You know, even you know we've we've kind of breezed past her, but the Zoe Deschanel character. This is Zoe Deschanel's first performance. It's her first film. Um, David Iverson, past and future guest, was tweeting with him about this because I guess he went to school with Zoe Deschanel and she dropped out when she got this role and decided yeah. that she was going to. You know, well, her and, and Jason Ritter, who's also in this movie, both went to Crossroads in LA. They were the same year. I oh, that's that funny. I mean, Jason Ritter, who yeah. looks like a child in this. I mean, he's so young, but it's. I'm it's, sure Jake. I I guarantee you, Jake Hasden was a Crossroads kid too. Just for sure. like it, it just seems like, like you know, one of those things where Lawrence Kasdan was like, that friend of yours and that friend of yours, they're both kind of yeah, cool. They're both great. I like them. Yeah. I like their look. I mean, yeah, Zoe's uh, Zoe's look in this film is is actually kind of funny because it's sort of the beginning of Zoe. And I, I wonder whether or not she honestly looked this way when she walked into the audition and he was just like, yes, that. Like I, I Zoe Deschanel obviously has made her aesthetic a thing. So there's a part of me that feels like she walks in in some version of this yeah, you know, and by that I mean if you want to see what she looks like, Google it. But she, you know, big black eyeliner, crazy spiky hair, sort of this pseudo fifties kind of odd vintagey thing. I didn't hate her look. I love Zoe Deschanel. I don't have a problem with Zoe Deschanel, but I felt like this role was underwritten, and I'm not totally convinced that she's the right casting for what he wanted the role to the the role needed to be pricklier it certainly felt like to other people she was a, a more broken sort of you know yeah. island of misfit toys kind of thing and she just doesn't it just didn't really totally click. Yeah. it wasn't a great role but it's almost like the the poster for this movie is like hollywood square someone said it in yes, twitter yes, yes, yeah. and uh at that point it was just nice that it was you know a, a face i knew yeah. You know what I mean? Like that is just sure. like that's sure. like like because there is there is this you know when you have a Hollywood Squares S poster which happens mm-hmm. every once in a while like yeah, I remember right. Full Frontal had one. Uh, part yeah. of the or a Brady Bunch poster. Mm-hmm. Part of the the fun is just the you know the the, the people who show up and the the Martin Shorts and the David Pamers and the Zoe Deschanel's and the Mary McCormick's and it's just it's a it's a more fun cast than playing by heart. It's a much better movie than playing by heart. Yes. I mean a low bar, but yes. I mean part low of the reason, bar, but yes. <laughs> I mean there's yeah. a part of so part much of the better. so much better. But yeah. part of the reason is that this movie is just so much stranger. Like playing by heart is boring because there's not they're not doing anything particularly interesting. And then uh, the conceit of all these kind of yeah, fragmented so, stories. It's, it's just lazy. It's, it's exhausting. It's just twee. It's yeah, I know. Yes. And by, and I think exhausting and lazy actually mean the same thing in that, yes. like <laughs> they're doing no work. So you have to do all the work. hundred percent. This movie is doing all the work. It's just like, you're just, yeah. just at the end. You're just like, why'd you do all that? <laughs> really, well, it's, it's like, it's doing all the dot connecting for you. It's doing, cause it's, it's, 
there, there it's, is nothing it's subtle about it. handing you everything. It's, you yeah, have, it's yeah, like, yeah. here's the movie. Yeah. And I, it's just, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know. I think that the thing about playing by heart and this, playing by heart, you know how I'm sure you've heard this, you know, one of the biggest lessons when it comes to writing is specificity, right? Like yes. if you're, if, if, if there's something specific, this, there's a, a character is living in a specific world. They have a specific viewpoint on the world. Like people will latch on to that. But when it's, when it's vague, it's just harder to do that. And I think that playing by heart is vague as shit. This movie is specific. It's, oddly specific about the things yeah. it's decided to, to focus on, yeah. but there is specificity to it. I just, Probably why I kind of like it. I, I kind of <laughs> like it. I kind of I don't like hate it. it. I, I don't know what it, I don't even know how to explain it. Like, it's... I'm... I am not... Anyone who listens to the Screen Jazz, Screen Jazz Razzie episode knows this, and just if you've been a fan of this podcast, you know mm-hmm. this. I, I don't believe in so bad it's good. Uh, I don't get off on so bad it's good. Yeah. Um, except with Mumford. <laughs> <laughs> That's the full like, quote for this episode. There is, there is something about well, this film that does kind of tickle me that I just kind of like, I think you can kind of get into how wacky and silly and straight-faced and, yeah, and yeah. you know, the fact that Eber gave it three and a half stars. Like, I love this. Like, I, I do. I think well, I love it. I here, here's what I want to I I I, I want to hone in on the so bad it's good idea because similar to yourself I don't I don't disagree I don't I don't believe in films that um that are so bad that they somehow transcend but what I do believe in are movies that are so bad they're enjoyable and you have a good time with it like and and that you get on its level like I think that's why you and I to some degree liked this movie right because we were just like. I don't know why you exist, Mumford. I don't know what you're doing, but I'm kind of willing to go on this ride with you. Whereas we've covered much worse films than Mumford over the course of this podcast that I just was exhausted by or just felt like I can't, I don't know. I I guess I, 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 yeah, I, so as always, it's a matter of intent, right? So, yeah. And we always assume intent, but I think with a filmmaker like Lawrence Kasdan, Mm-hmm. I, I I think I'm giving him credit by saying there's no way you intended this movie to be this unintentionally funny. Like there's no way the things about this movie yes. that, that we that yes. we are really kind of enjoying are mm-hmm. things you meant to do because if you meant to do that, like uh, you're a weird bad filmmaker and you're not you. Like the, he was clearly, very clearly, I think, trying to make a a uh like like who's a good example of, of a guy who makes movies like this and they and they they land like Robert Altman. Yeah, I think Altman's a good example of that. I mean there was some I was thinking of Altman early on before the twist. Even Dr. T and the Women, which is not one of my favorite, the Richard Gere one, which is not one of my favorite films, but again, small town doctor dealing is with that, all these is that 99? Oh no, no. no what do we get no. of this in 99? Uh, Cookie's Fortune, which is oh, also a small town yes. movie too. Yeah. So, like, I, I think no one does ensembles. I would argue better than Altman does because he understands how when to when to kind of check in with people and when Altman's it's okay for these for these things for people to kind of be ships passing in the night in a way that's interesting. I was thinking more like, I mean, Altman is a good example on the on the ensemble part, I'm thinking yeah. more on the, like the quirk part, like maybe, maybe Pleasantville. like the, 
Yeah, plus those are a good example. I, I was think I was going to say Coen Brothers, like they're lighter stuff. Sure, they're sure, sure, sure. Raising Arizona and Lady Killers, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and the films that I, I guess people love Raising Arizona, but the films I don't connect with quite as well, but are mm-hmm. clearly very well done. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing about those movies and everything the Coens do is like they're totally consistent, like so mm-hmm. consistent. You you are so you, you you nothing about them feels like you were in you were in unsteady hands and this movie is so unsteady that that it's so clearly a mistake that being said i kind of feel it like i kind of feel like this wacky ass shit and the thing is we did a story of us this year which is another guy similar to Lawrence Kasdan, who was just killing it in the 80s and who just kind of fell off hard. But there's nothing about that movie that's fun. There's nothing about that movie that's weird. That movie is twee and, and, you know, preposterous and the dialogue's bad and any attempts to cut back and forth are awkward. And, and, And it's attempting to be a serious story within this, the confines of, you know, uh, Rob Reiner relationship comedy thing, and it just doesn't work. Whereas, like, God, if I know what this movie's trying to do, well, like, so two things, two things came to mind as you as you were speaking. The first is an idea came to me that I think would be fun, which is as we as we come to the end of our our nineteen ninety nine run, if we pulled um, monologues from movies and got actors to come on and deliver them. The reason is the Michelle Pfeiffer monologue at the end of Story oh, of end. Us is some of the most batshit crazy About monologues. The like just uh, the idea that like you and I could potentially bring on a couple actors, someone to do like Nicole Kidman's eyes wide shut speech or oh someone God, to come on it. and do Michelle Pfeiffer's Chinese food speech. I think it'd be fun. I think it, <laughs> That's I think, a great I idea. Think, I think it's a good idea. The yeah, second thing, and the, and the more uh, salient to what we're talking about, is something occurred to me as I was looking at his filmography just now, which is right after this film, he does Dreamcatcher. Lawrence Kasdan, Stephen King. Stephen King is the quintessential small town guy. And I think that there's something there in terms of like, this film kind of weirdly sort of has Stephen Kingy vibes in it, specifically that flashback sequence, specifically a character posing as something. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's there, there is kind of so it's it's not a surprise to me that he goes right into a ill-advised dreamcatcher after this. It's just interesting. There, there I, I think Dreamcatchers, Dreamcatchers the worst we've ever seen in theaters. Uh but and, How, and, and I, I wish that was a Razzie, man. If that had been a Razzie winner, we could have we could have done it. I would have hated to watch it. But the, the thing with Dreamcatcher is <laughs> Ass Aliens. You know, I saw it, uh Ass Aliens, yeah, Poop Aliens. <laughs> I saw it, you know, right away. So like right, there right, wasn't right. there there wasn't any like time to digest it. I didn't see it on video or, or DVD. <laughs> right. There wasn't any fun to right. get. It was just like, I'm gonna see this Steam King movie. <laughs> and then I was very upset. Yeah. I know there are people who think like it's a it's an intentional, just a lark. Mm-hmm. Like, right. I think, like, Morgan Freeman thought he was making a fucking lark, right? Uh, like, his eye, his eyebrows are, it's, it's like, it's oh, so good. So, like, it, I don't know. Like, that, and then maybe, maybe I'll go back to giving Larry Crockett's catcher again. Who's like Damien? Uh, yeah, Damien Lewis. Lewis is in okay, it. so it's, 
Thomas Jane, Jason Lee, Damian Lewis, Timothy Oliphant, Morgan Freeman, Tom Sizemore, Donnie Wahlberg. Woof. Good Woof. cast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was like 2002. Uh, 2003. Yeah. Good cast of guys who would be in that movie at that time. Can I just say, though, that movie is adapted by William Goldman and Lawrence Kasdan yeah. for yeah. the like how is that not the greatest screenplay that's ever they, been written I, I i think they i think they were fucking around so like like was he fucking around with this movie like, was he fucking like was he fucking around with this movie cuz he like ultimately know. he was like ultimately like well, yeah you know i have told this story about uh, i mean everyone knows who i'm who i'm talking about but i'm, I'm mm-hmm. i won't yeah, say yeah, his yeah. name sure but I had a boss who in like season six of a show I worked on. We'd I wonder this. if our sleuths will be able to put this together. We'd fit it, we, we, sometimes we'd finish the script. Yeah. And, they, and it wasn't that great. And he'd say, well, we gave him 80 great ones. Who cares if there's not? <laughs> right? Like, like, I wonder if Kazan's like, I gave him uh, Empire. I gave him Raiders. <laughs> I gave him a big fucking chill. Right, yeah. show God Mumford, motherfucker, <laughs> and Dreamcatcher. Yeah, well, Dreamcatcher is like Dream. Dreamcatcher is almost like through the void, right? Dreamcatcher is like now, like insane. now, like you're like I'll do whatever. Like you're telling me you want me to write the Ass Aliens movie? Okay, like Can I, so watch I, out. I, I, I'm going to read you just a very quick quote uh, from him. Uh, In a 2012 interview during a promotional tour for his film, Darling Companion, Kazan admitted that the commercial failure of Dreamcatcher left him wounded career-wise, but not so much personally. I've been personally wounded by other movies where I had written it and thought, oh God, the world's not interested in what I'm interested in. With Dreamcatcher, the career was hurt. I was planning to do The Risk Pool with Tom Hanks. I'd written the script from a great book by Richard Russo, and it didn't happen. Then another one didn't happen. Meanwhile, two years have passed, two years have passed. That's how you get wounded. I mean, listen, the risk pool with Tom Hanks would have been fucking cool. Um, I mean, Richard Russo is a great writer, uh, you know, and Tom Hanks and Lawrence Kasdan make sense together. But yeah, after Dreamcatcher, it's like, did you did poop aliens? I mean, it you is, did like, anyway. It yeah. is crazy to think that Lawrence Kasdan's career pretty, I mean, outside of Solo, which was its own bizarre, like he didn't write that well, in the yeah. beginning. He was brought on. So he was brought on to save it. Um, His son was the yeah the main writer, and he well none it was Lord and Miller first. Well, yes, yes, they were directing so it, was, it, but yes, so it was, they wrote and directed, and then yeah. so it was Lord and Miller, and then it was Ron Howard, and then like you know bringing the Star Wars guys, uh, guy. Yeah. So outside of that well, weird yeah. situation, like his career is done when he was fifty. Like like yeah, I mean my, I, crazy. Yeah. I the, the solo thing is just is it's so funny you bring it up because yesterday I was talking we were talking Star Wars Mel and I yesterday about like how this franchise has somehow got away from them in a lot of ways. Um, they and, need, and, they and, need Porkins. They need <laughs> they need they your need, Porkins. They need pork Porkins and Beanzo. That's a character I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, but I'm I, creating. Beans but out. I genuinely think that Lawrence Kasdan, I mean, I don't know that his career is necessarily over per se. I mean, I could see him coming you know, back with if something. If it's necessarily over right now? Yeah, I don't know he's that it's 75 over. years old. I mean, he could make something, but like he's I don't know that five. he I don't know that he directs. I mean, listen, we saw that that he has a film maybe in post that's supposed to come out this year. Yeah, no, I'm not so, saying I mean, that. But, you know, he he made other stuff. All I'm he's 72. He yeah. made other stuff. All I'm saying is like, you know, his relevancy after, is after yeah. Dreamcatcher. Yes. Like, I have no doubt that he has yeah. done rewrites on fifty yes. movies. I have no doubt that the guy is making tons of money. But I, but, yeah. but the fact that you know 
the way he looks at his career, and I think the way the world looks at his career is is he couldn't get anything going that had you know a film by Lawrence Kasdan on it I after agree. that is a big deal. Well, Darling Companion, which I vaguely remember. Do you remember this movie? No. By any chance? So no. it's it's the cast is Mark Duplass, Richard Jenkins, Diane Keaton, Kevin Klein, like great cast. Uh, him and his daughter Meg wrote it. Uh, $12 million budget made $795,000. It's not a lot of money. money. Uh, Clearly it was kind of, it was kind of dumped. Roger Ebert wrote, it is depressing to reflect on the wealth of talent that conspired to make this inert and listless movie. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, damn. Um, Yeah. So it does feel like he's, yeah. I mean, what can I say? I'm I'm curious to see what this, you're on his Wikipedia, right? Yeah. What do you think of his uh, his sight and sound list? Oh, hold on. What is his? Did, I, I sort of skimmed past. His 2012 okay. sight and sound 2012 list. 2012 sight pretty- and sound list film. Po- I'll, I'll read them for our listeners. Uh, Army of Shadows, Battle of Algier, Doctor Strange Love, The Godfather, Grapes of Wrath, Lawrence of Arabia, Out of the Past, Rules of the Game, Seven Samurai, Treasure of Sierra Madre. I mean, yeah. Okay, sure. All pretty fucking chalk. bangers. Pretty chalk. I mean, yeah. I think yeah. yours would be different. Mine would be different. But yeah, I mean, I I would have white men can't jump. <laughs> yeah. And major league. And major. Could you imagine if I? Imagine if I actually <laughs> got a vote of that. I just did. I just did ten sports movies from the nineties. <laughs> be great. Little giants. <laughs> Ladybugs. <laughs> Field of dreams. Ah, the cutting edge. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, listen, there's not much more to say about this movie, but I'll just say this. Uh, I didn't hate watching it. It has weirdly sort of stayed with me insofar as I found it very perplexing. It's a perplexing movie. I think you and I as writers found it perplexing because it seems to dodge so many rules Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like there mm-hmm. are there are the yes, screenwriting yes. one on one things that you're watching this film being like, you know, for instance, don't wait 45 minutes for your concept to kick in. Yeah. <laughs> don't just throw away, you know, lines that are significant to to, to story. Uh, it, it's it's just there's a lot of stuff in it that doesn't that doesn't add up. But there's some stuff that works. Um, that's that's really watchable. Uh, I loved at the end of the film. So at the very end of the movie. Uh, Mumford goes to to uh, to Hope Davis's house, and they have this conversation. He knocks on her door. The reason she finds out about him is because he's on Unsolved Mysteries. Oh yes, <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Which everybody in town is watching. Everyone in town is watching it, including him. He just sits there and watches it, just aghast. Oh God. <laughs> So, yeah, so he knocks on the door. She opens it and she's like, we were watching ER until someone called. Mm. <laughs> someone called them about it being on uh, Unsolved yeah. Mysteries. I, I guess my question to you to just to, to wrap this up is that porch scene, okay, where he confesses and she says, you know, whatever. Am I, 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 I remembered watching the scene and thinking, am I supposed to be rooting for him in this situation? Because like what he's done is, unquestionably shitty. He, it, it's, it's not, he's not a good guy. Um, am I rooting for him? I'm rooting for her and she loves him. So that's why I'm kind of rooting for them. But I just, you're, it's very odd. You're definitely supposed to be rooting for him. I think because, yeah. you know, and I, I think that, I, that is perplexing. And it's all, that's a very weird thing 
uh, through the lens of 2022 when sure. mental health and uh, mental health therapy has been privacy. I, yeah. I think, yes, I think it's been kind of normalized and mainstreamed to the point mm-hmm. that you, and I strongly agree with this, you can't mock it anymore. You right. can't, right. Like, 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 like calling a psychiatrist a shrink, you can't yes. do anymore, or making fun of people in therapy, you can't do anymore, um, or, you know, that, or, or if you do, you are a dick. And like this movie only kind of works if you look at the whole mental health, you know, in industry as a yeah. fucking sham and a yep. fraud because he's a sham and a fraud. And yet he helped people yep. uh, better than a quote unquote real therapist did. Uh-huh. And he, you know, ultimately we're supposed to believe that this guy is a good guy mm-hmm. um, despite doing doing something that, you know. Is horrible, just horrible. So yeah, we're supposed to be rooting for them, and you know, like for like I don't know, I kind of was. <laughs> so and then like the last beat, which we mentioned, is him in the cop car being taken away to prison, and the the cop being like, "Hey man, I heard you're the doctor. Can I can I tell you some of my problems?" And the movie's last shot is on Mumford and his face just being like. What are you going to do? I guess I'll listen to this guy's problems. And you're just like, yeah. did we learn nothing? Did you learn anything? Did anyone learn anything about themselves? What, what, what exactly am I? What's my takeaway? Like, what is this movie's take on mental health? It doesn't seem positive. You know, it's, it, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I've been trying to think of a movie. I've been trying to think of a movie that this reminds me of. And, yeah. you know, a much, 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 much better movie than this is uh, School of Rock, where Jack Black does something similar. Yes. yes. Right? Like, yes. that's that's mm-hmm. as bad. It's as bad as, you know, being a fake therapist, being a fake teacher. Teacher. <laughs> um, and why are we always rooting for him? Well, because, like, we spent some fucking time before understanding why he would do something like this. Yeah. And... You know, we know he's a decent guy. We know he's been stepped on. We know that he needs the money. We yeah. know that it was not something he planned, something that fell into his lap. Sure. Like, and, you know, and, we, and we're we with him for, you know, an hour in the movie. When we see, like, everyone, frankly, and the other big difference is, like, everyone's gone to school and everyone knows that, like, you know, the way teachers generally are forced to operate is not the best. Um, you kind of just hit it on the uh, the nose on the nose, which is that like by us starting in media res does such a disservice to his character. If we had met him and he was struggling, and we see him come to this town, yeah, and we see him decide to pull this con, you're invested in him. I am not invested in this guy from credits to credits. I'm not even convinced that I even really care what happens to this guy by the end of the movie. And yet, this is what's so weird. That is what you described as the setup for Happy Texas. Yes. Right? Or any number of con artist movies. But yes. say Happy Texas, because Happy yeah. Texas is about two guys who go into a small town with a plan and they have to pretend to be people they're not. And yeah. the fear is that they're going to be found out before they can rob this bank. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I think that movie's pretty bad. For a lot of reasons, and I think this is our Happy pretty, Texas episode. I think this movie's pretty bad too. But if I had to watch one of those two again, I think I'm watching Mumford. I'm watching Mumford again too, I, uh, only because it's <laughs> only because like there's only one of it. 
And like, there's only one movie that like did anything this fucking strange. But I don't, I guess, I guess my point to you is that I'm not sure they're mutually exclusive. I think this movie could have been this movie with your synthetic women and your what have you's and your flashback, all that. There's nothing that really needs to change. It's just the setup that needs to change because it starts in a place where I was immediately struggling to lock into it. That's not a good place to be. The, the things that in general, when you have a what essentially is a lower a low concept movie, I think this is a pretty low concept movie. Yes, yes. Uh, the things that separate low concept, good low concept movies from bad low concept movies are the everything else, right? Yes, yes, yes. And particularly the relationships, the, the dynamics, the dialogue, mm-hmm. jokes. Um, this movie is not that bad in those respects. The no. world building, the, the setting, casting, by and large, casting. Yeah. Like it's like this movie has a lot of the 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 stuff. Mm-hmm. In place, it's the it's the structure that's so fucking perplexing. Weird. It's weird. From yeah. from one of the greatest screenwriters that's ever been. Yeah. So, uh, let's rate this. All right. What, what's your what's your what's your rating pre podcast? What's your uh, rating after the podcast? For uh, I think I'll get you the real number. Okay. May as well. Sure. Um, I gave it. Uh, <laughs> So much bad, offensive and dangerous, ludicrous, missed opportunities, <laughs> terrible point of view and message. Very watchable. I'm going to give it a 60. Uh, what's your post podcast? 63. <laughs> I mean, truly, we are almost exactly the same. I came into this with a 60. I had the yeah. same. I was just like, I mean, I, I don't know how much I can hate on this. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm amazed you gave it a positive. Not that I, not after yeah. the, con- not after the conversation, but like, I, and I'm, I'm probably at a 65 now. Like I'm not. I, I haven't changed much. I, I. I mean, I think that this movie is truly bizarre in a way that that we've we have not seen before. Yeah. A movie that's posing as innocuous. A movie that is posing yeah. as a sweet, quaint Ooh. little town movie. But much like, much like Doctor Mumford himself. <laughs> much oh. like Doctor Mumford himself. This movie 64. Is- this movie's posing as you want to hang out with me? Why wouldn't you want to hang out with yeah, me? Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. and then halfway through it's like, oh, I'm a fucking cokehead that's yeah. into like synthetic women. Yeah, I mean, maybe, okay. Yeah, maybe you know, you might have just you, honestly it's too, it up. it's too late in the podcast to like re yeah. to re-podcast based on that reading right. of the movie. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, all right. I you all know, right. look, Mumford, what a discovery. It's a discovery. I would, I mean, here's what I'll say too to our listeners. I don't think you'll hate going to Mumford. I mean, I think you might actually, I think you might want to hang out there for an hour and 40 minutes. (laughs) I don't think think anyone hates, like, of of like, what's interesting is we've done so many, and I guess this was like a weird little subgenre. We've done so many small town movies. We have so (laughs) many, but like movies that are overtly small town movies. Like this and like the love letter movies that are about big stars going to small towns like fucking Runaway Bride, uh, Mystery Alaska is about a small town. All these like Placid's about a small town. All oh these gosh. small town small like towns, you know out, like like outside of you know outer suburbs, inner <laughs> inner rural, sure sure you know small towns with you know uh with, with Field one, of Dreams one, small one, town one restaurant right. Field of well, that's an eighty nine movie but still yeah, I'm just saying. Uh, but yeah, we've done so many small town 
movies and so many of them are like yeah. the worst like <laughs> it's 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 like i mean yeah. you know they can't yeah. all be groundhog day right like sure. uh this one's one of the better ones like this is I, one I, of those I, better ones i can't disagree I, with that I, I i i think that's the right way to look at this too cuz i do think that it's such a trope i mean it's it's a very american trope right the yeah. small town america snow globey kind of thing and it's it's very endearing. I understand as a writer and as as a viewer. Um, but to your point, if you don't do it well, or if you don't, I don't even know. Like again, it comes back to specificity, well, but still, it's like it's just cloying, and it's cloying. always it's, it's yeah. always weirdly patronizing. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, you know exactly what you're gonna get. You're gonna get you know Vinny falling into the into the mud, mm-hmm. which you know another small town movie that I fucking love. Sure, um, great movie. And, great and there's movie. a reason you do it. You do these fish out of water in small town all the time because they they work really well. Mm-hmm. This isn't a, really meant to be a fish out of water. This is like I, I don't know. All of a sudden, like the you know the fish has the fish has fucking a gun (laughs) (laughs) and a synthetic female uh pelvis yeah Yeah. um all right right. well that's mumford uh thanks for listening uh this will i don't know what we're doing next but it'll be great you'll love it yeah all right bye guys Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.